Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing With Science. Today, you, listeners, will be the stars of the show. Yes, we've opened up the cosmos for your particular queries. Call it office hours if you wish. But this is going to be our show. Of course, it's going to be ladled with science and have a bit of a sprinkling of sport. That's so who right. Who else is joining us, Chuck? And of course, when you say science, you can't say science without the one, the only, the astrophysicist who knows the most about sports of any scientist I've ever met, the one, the only, Professor Dr. Charles Liu. Hey, Chuck. Charles. Hey. Hi, Chuck. Hi, Gary. You are too kind in your introduction. There are many, many people who know much more about sports than I. Yeah, but, but I'm very but, happy to be here. But not on the level that you know sports. Sports and not the way you're able to relate sports to science, my friend. I'm sorry. I mean, not even our not even our fearless leader, Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, I would say, (laughs) has the breadth of knowledge of all sports that you do. You know, well, I humbly live to serve and I hope that I would be able to answer the questions from our excellent audience. As always, they bring good stumpers to the table. They do, and uh, we're opening up their inquiring minds, and here we go. This this one caught my eye straight away. This is from Joe Anderson, 2429 on Instagram. The waves are affected by the moon. He sounds English here because he goes, the waves are affected by the moon, right? What if the Earth had another moon? How would adding another moon to Earth impact sports? I'm guessing surfing, sailing. That's one. Yes. I've not thought about that before, but... Over to you, Professor. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It is a great question. Yes, the reason that the moon affects the waves, right, is because the moon's gravity has a subtle effect that's stronger when in, on the part of the Earth closer to the moon than away from the moon. Uh-huh. Now, solid rock doesn't really feel that so much, but liquids like water on the surfaces of, say, lakes, rivers, or most likely the ocean will actually move a little bit toward the moon, and the center of the Earth moves a little closer to the moon than the backside. So you basically have an elongation of the 
of the earth, the liquid pops out and then backs in. It's just kind of this undulating motion of the waves back and forth. And that's because we're the moon. So if the moon is here, then the tides are strongest along the axis, and it just kind of follows this way. So imagine you have two moons. Uh -huh. In that case, you have a moon here and a moon here, and if it goes around, it's going to cause even more pulling. Under the right circumstances, you could get double the wave action, right? So maybe if you were a surfer and you're looking for that monster wave, you would be getting a seriously double monster wave, mm. right? Whereas at other times, depending on the positions of the moon, they might actually help counteract each other's motions so that you'll have a reduced amount of moon action. So one way or another, the tides can be strongly affected, and it has all to do with the relative positions of the moons and the Earth at any given time to where you are. Oh, wow. So the, rela the, the relationship in terms of their orbit around the Earth would be critical as to which way that that takes place. That's exactly right. Would it also have to depend on the size of the moon itself? Ooh. I mean, you would have to take that into consideration too, right? Great question. The size of the moon itself is not as important as the mass of the moon. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. See, this is why you're a scientist, because you <laughs> actually are specific enough to say mass, because there are lots of things with great size, but not great mass. Right. You can imagine some basketball players with tremendous size, but they do not have as much mass as your perhaps smaller, more compact football player. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So... Uh, a small moon, like a, with a small size, but made up primarily of something heavy like metals, might actually have more mass than a larger moon that's made up of primarily something like ice or rock. Or even that, our own moon, which, by the way, is not made up of metals. Cheese. That's right. It has mostly rock. Mostly uh, rock. And cheese. And cheese. Oh, okay. <laughs> I believe it's Gruyere. <laughs> uh, it's the good stuff. The distance between the moon and the Earth also matters. So both mass and distance, and then position relative to the Earth and where you are, all of that puts uh, a really interesting tug on the various oceans and rivers and seas and so forth. Cool, man. Wow, hopefully That's Joe cool. Anderson's got the answer he was looking for. Yeah, well, and listen, if he didn't get it out of that, then, you know, <clears throat> Joe's just being a dick. No, I'm just... <laughs> We lost a listener. <laughs> Maybe Way just go, one. <laughs> Maybe more. No, Joe, you know we love you, and that's a great question. And by the way, that's a really great question. Look how yeah. look how fascinating that was. So he's a thinking man, and we like that, Joe. Yeah. Uh, did I kiss his butt enough? You did. Okay, good. All right. This is uh, Hamed Isham from Facebook. And um, I only say that because he, f he spelled it out actually phonetically. He must have known that I was going to read this. Mm -hmm. uh, Hamed Isham says this. What if a football player kicked the ball with a strong kick on the moon? Mm. Will it stop at a certain level or will it continue to climb up out of the atmosphere uh, and on forever? Signed, Hamed from Egypt. Uh, now, the one thing I will say with that question that might be a little suspect is uh, he says atmosphere with respect to the moon. So could that even be the case? Right. The moon does not have an atmosphere. Right. Uh, very occasionally, some amount of uh, volatile material may vaporize from the surface and temporarily create a little bit of a vapor, but it doesn't have a standing atmosphere. And that's something that's very important. So 
uh, Ahmed, the first thing that you, uh, you should realize is that without an atmosphere on the moon, if you kick the ball, it won't curve. You can't make it spin in such a way that the ball will either go toward the sidelines, for example, or say do some sort of weird thing against the wind and so on. So on wait the, a minute, are you uh, so the end over end of a football on a kickoff that we see that 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 flipping motion that's right. caused by uh, we'll call it resistance. That's caused by the air resistance. It's originally caused by the kick. Okay, it's caused by the kick, and then after that. When you have the end over end or when you have a flipping sort of turning position, then the air will affect it to change either its direction or its pace or things I gotcha. like that. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah, one of the greatest punts in the history of all time college football was Harvard versus Yale in 1987. And it was a 40 mile an hour wind going in one direction. And Yale was on fourth down, needed to punt. And they were going to wait till the third quarter ended to switch over to the fourth quarter. And then they could kick with the win. And the Harvard coach called time out with only a few seconds left in the third quarter, forcing Yale to kick into the wind. And the ball went like this and then like that. The total net yardage, because the wind just pushed it all the way back, was nine yards. Wow. nine-yard punt which then led to Harvard scoring the winning touchdown in the fourth quarter, and it was a glorious victory. But nobody knows it because it's Harvard-Yale. Those guys aren't playing in the NFL anymore. Anyway, it's a great story to tell you how important atmosphere is in football. But on the moon, there is no atmosphere. So the ball can go end over end. It can spin however it wants, but it will still just go in a parabola up and down. And the primary question, which Ahmed had, you you asked, would it go on forever? No, it would not. The answer is that the ball would come back down because the moon still does have surface gravity. Mm -hmm. It's only one sixth the level that of the earth. But what that means, it'll slow things down one sixth the speed. It'll take six times longer for the ball to land than it would be on earth, which means that it should travel six times farther before it reaches the surface of the moon, compared with being kicked on the surface of the earth. But it will come back down again. Wow. Another comprehensive answer. With the sprinkling of Harvard and Yale. But of course, you, sir, have the boorish manners of a Yaley. However, there wasn't. Didn't. Did he not, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the former Jet, now Tampa Bay Buccaneers no, quarterback? Quarterback of the Buccaneers. He's attending he's Harvard. Really kicking. Yeah, he's yeah. rocking and rolling down there right yeah, now. Yeah, he's rocking yeah. and rolling, and I believe he is a Harvard man. Yes. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Smart guy, by the way, you know. Uh, and who else is going to Harvard? Uh, is it, um, who is it? Is it Urschel? Who's, who, John Urschel, right? Oh, John Urschel, oh, yeah, who played the on the offensive line for the Baltimore Ravens. For the Ravens. He's, but yeah. isn't he going back? No, he's going to MIT. I'm sorry. Correct. He's going he to a, MIT. Either he is about to get his doctorate or is getting his doctorate at MIT in pure math. Correct. Pure Some math. Pretty impressive stuff. I've read I've read a couple of his papers. He really knows what's going on. Yeah. he's. Uh, uh, this yeah. isn't a hobby for him. Um, it's not just blocking and tackling. This no, guy is yeah. all out on, on the math. Isn't it cool that these guys are like – uh, you know, dedicated to uh, uh, academics and academia, and yet at the same time, they're able to play professional football. 
Yeah. What scares They're... me, guys who are built like tanks, who hit like tanks, are very super intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> scary people. That is a scary that thought. Scary that, that'll people. hire them for think tanks, Scary. That's what you got to do. <laughs> a think tank. Oh, Charles. I see, I see that's what you did fabulous. there, Charles. I see oh. what you did there. Think tank. You know, I'm in I'm awe of that one. I got to tell you yeah. something. They, this is why you're an astrophysicist, sir. <laughs> it's why I'm not a comedian. <laughs> another, All right, here we go. Another right boy, right spelt with a W, just in case anyone was worrying, on Instagram, how hard would you have to kick a football for said ball to reach orbital velocity and orbit Pluto? Oh, my God. Kane from Kamloops, British Columbia. Um, and there's a hashtag Pluto is a planet, so just as well Neil's not here. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> so well, what is what is the escape velocity for a football? Of <clears throat> well, the yours? escape velocity for any object is the same, regardless of whether it's a football or a golf ball or an elephant. Okay. Uh, but I haven't calculated the escape velocity of Pluto yet. Um, that's mm. not something that uh, normally sits in my head. Right. But – there is a fairly well-known um, calculated uh, formula for the escape velocity, which is the square root of 2 times the gravitational constant of the universe, g, times the mass of Pluto, divided by the radius of Pluto. So the square root of 2gm over r, where you plug in the mass and the radius of Pluto respectively, will give you the escape velocity on Pluto. All right. Now, here on Earth, the escape velocity at the surface of the Earth is something like 20-something 20, 20 thousand miles per hour. Uh, Pluto is significantly smaller and significantly lower mass than the Earth. In fact, significantly lower mass than the moon itself, mm -hmm. uh, which is part of the reason why uh, our distinguished friend Neil um, argues for uh, its demotion to below planetary status, but that's a discussion for another time. Obviously. Right, yes. Is. We don't want to be controversial. <laughs> no. Really? Uh, actually, yeah, no. It's probably less than 20,000 miles per hour, and I just don't know exactly how much it is. But it's not, say, 10 miles an hour, but it's definitely not 10,000 either. It's somewhere in between there. Okay, cool. So now, escape velocity puts you into orbit. Once you achieve that, though, escape velocity puts you beyond beyond orbit. orbit. I'm right. sorry, orbital velocity. That's what I'm saying. Or, all right, so escape escape velocity puts you out of orbit, right, and allows you to just now you're in now you're headed out into space. That's right. You're gone forever. Okay, so now because space is a vacuum and you're not in. Let's say you're not in, and most space is mostly empty. You're not in. Let's say you don't encounter anything. Would you just keep going at that speed forever? Yes, until you interact with something else. Right. And and you bring up an excellent point because the question was indeed uh, not just uh, for Pluto to uh, for the football to escape Pluto's gravity, but to orbit around Pluto. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I'm glad you made that distinction between orbital velocity and escape velocity. Turns out orbital velocity is about 71% that of escape velocity. Gotcha. So it's a little bit slower, okay? Uh, but it's still a very high speed. Right. And basically the answer is no, no matter if it's orbital velocity or escape velocity, you have a job with any NFL team on Earth. <laughs> If you can or get pretty it. much any any football or soccer team too, right? The thing is, once you've got a yeah. leg like that, it's controlling it. 
Right, I guess so. Yeah, because yeah, you'd be just kicking it through the stadium. But would you really need to control it? I mean, it's that's just true. like that's true. You just kick the ball, right? Mm. Who needs to control? Because no one's going to stand in the way. Exactly. Nobody's going to right. take your leg off. Goalie is going to stop a a fifteen thousand mile an hour. <laughs> no one's going to sit near the goal. Could you imagine if it was a right. soccer team? Right. No one's. No fans are going to sit behind around the goal because all of a sudden this thing's coming at ten plus thousand miles an hour. You're like, I'm not stopping that. It's going to vaporize me. All of a sudden, soccer is the coolest sport in the world to me right now. This is amazing. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. I'm no, sure. I, I know we're running out of time for our first segment, but this is so fascinating, man. When we do yeah. these little thought experiments, let's say because it's it's an actual football or a soccer ball, either one. And you mm-hmm. do reach that kind of velocity. Would yep. the ball just burn up because of the friction of the air before it does anything? Would that be really what would happen? It would burn up. There okay. would be no question about it. I just don't know how fast it would burn up. Okay. Right? Because I'd have to make that calculation as well. It is true that the viscosity of the atmosphere will cause this thing to slow down. And as it slows, it also heats up. But I don't know if it will burst into flame in a few feet or if it might take a few miles or some other distance. I'd have to do that calculation. That the would other, be very oh, That is so cool. See, the only the only thing that would make that uh, an unnecessary calculation is the fact you've put so much energy through a soccer ball or a football, it would explode. Surely. Yeah. It just wouldn't be That's able to contain point. itself. And before it gets That's to right. combust, it would just go. That's right. right. So the, the typical football probably can't take more than a uh, hundred pounds per square inch mm-hmm. from the interior before it blows up. Right. Maybe 50. Yeah. Uh, in a regulation ball is much lower than that. So if you're going to kick it, that means you have to put from the outside and you're going to compress that ball that the interior pressure will substantially exceed 100 PSI or right. even more, yeah. which would probably cause it to explode first. That's that's the score one point for Gary. But what you could do, <laughs> what you could do is shoot it from a rail gun, right? Oh, here we go. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. you could shoot it from a rail gun and watch it burn up. I just want this bad boy to burn up is all I'm saying. <laughs> the problem with the rail gun is that it's not mag- – it, it re- usually requires a magnetic, magnetic. push. Right. right. And and soccer balls, footballs don't have a lot of metal in them. So you can't exactly continue to accelerate them using electromagnetic force. And plus, the, the, find some the, other the agent for the, the railgun needs a new when you negotiate a contract. Yes. And then- <laughs> don't worry. I have a super lightweight um, magnetic uh, thread that I've actually put through the entire football so that I awesome. can get it up to that speed and watch it burn up, baby. <laughs> totally. I totally would want to see that. You burn, s- baby, burn. Such a science villain, aren't you? <laughs> you are a science villain. This is why I'm not a scientist, because <laughs> the universe knew that if it gave me this type of knowledge, I would definitely use it for bad and not for good. Oh, I am right. sure there are many excellent scientists who would love to fire a soccer ball fast enough to watch it burn up in the air. Cool. That would be a true science thing to do. So and you're not allowed you- to meet them. right we are going to take a break um i'm gonna have to talk to chuck during the break and kind of talk him off the ledge of badness and bring him back to the good and the light uh when we come back more sports physics one-on-one with the magnificent professor charles lou stick around Working moms have way too many to-dos switch to h&r block and have an expert do your taxes for you Block guarantees 100% accuracy and your max refund or your money back. And with their no surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even meet with a tax pro in a block office 
or online from home. So take a breath, moms. This tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com slash guarantees. You know what shouldn't feel like rocket science? Planning a vacation your whole crew will love. With Carnival Cruise Line, it's all up to you. You can kick back or dive right into the fun. Paddleboard in the crystal clear waters of one of Carnival's exclusive destinations, Half Moon Key in the Bahamas. Take an ATV ride through the jungle or just relax on white sandy Caribbean beaches. The fun continues on ship. From a ride on the Bolt roller coaster to a moment of pure bliss at the Cloud Nine Spa. Kick off the evening with a craft cocktail at any of Carnival's dazzling bars and lounges and take your pick of restaurants from surf and turf to family-style Italian. Then settle in for an evening of live entertainment. Whatever your vibe is, you'll come home with plenty of stories to tell. So pack those bags, be sure to leave room for a few unforgettable memories because no one does fun like Carnival. Book your dream vacation at Carnival.com. Ships Registry, the Bahamas and Panama. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Welcome back to Playing With Science. Um, we've taken sport into the universe and off-world, as it were. And uh, Professor Charles Liu has given us some most brilliant answers. We're going to kind of bring it back down to Earth, if we can. Um, we've had so many fabulous questions. And Jennifer Mirjam on Facebook, if I've pronounced that incorrectly, I apologize. How long, and this is theoretically speaking, would it take Usain Bolt to run around the Earth? Hmm. Oh, what a great question. Uh, Usain Bolt, of course, the fastest sprinter in the world. Yep. Uh, if you sort of pick up his top speed as he's running 100 meters, is somewhere between 27 and 28 miles per hour. Mm, uh, which is ridiculously that, quick. Yeah, it's just like 40-something uh, kilometers per hour. Uh, and so that's really good. Now, the radius of the Earth is just under 8,000 miles which means that its circumference at the equator is about 24,000 miles. Okay, so if he's running at that top speed, let's say 28 miles per hour, mm -hmm. going 24,000 miles would take him a little under 1,000 hours, uh, which I guess uh, at 24 hours per day brings you out around several weeks. Okay, wow. so 
yeah, that's so that's that's, that's pretty impressive for a human that's being to be impressive. able to do that. Right. But remember, he can only keep up this pace for 10 seconds at a time. Right. So he's going to run that fast. Then he's going to walk it off, take it easy, take a break, breathe, whatever, whatever, and then run that fast again, then breathe and take it easy. So you got to build in all that extra rest time. And then take out the terrain. So the real answer is 200 years. It could be a little while. (laughs) Remember that near the equator, Mount Kilimanjaro is like more than 19,000 feet. So he's going to have to do a little bit of an altitude trek as well if he runs around there. So he's got to stay on the lowlands, you know, run through. Mm -hmm. So now what about the flash, the real Usain Bolt? Okay. do we yeah. know what the top speed of the Flash is? Well, it keeps changing depending on what the uh, comic book writers decide. Uh-huh. There was a period of time where the Flash could literally go faster than the speed of light. Right. I think that might be the case in certain universes right now. There was another period of time when the Flash could only run about the speed of sound, maybe a little bit faster. Uh, that was like in the 1980s or something like that. When he wasn't uh, training so his it really heart. depends on who you're talking about. He was right? lazy back uh, in the 80s. Yeah. He wasn't very, he was a lazy dude back in the 80s. He also gained a few pounds, so that's what did it, you well, know. Yeah. Well, it had to do with something called Crisis on Infinite Earths where Barry Allen, the original Flash, had to sacrifice his life to save the universe and Wally West took over, but Wally West in his efforts to save the universe a second time or multiple times from the anti-monitor, he had to sacrifice some of his speed power. Uh, and then nowadays, of course, uh, there's this thing called the Speed Force. Uh, we're getting yes. a little bit into the fiction and out of the cosmos, but you know this is fun stuff to talk about. Too. Yeah, and I, uh, let me ask you this: when oh. when you said the speed of sound, flash breaking the speed of sound, if mm-hmm. you were running at the speed of sound, okay, yes. as a human being, all right, mm-hmm. and let's just say that you have like I don't know a special suit or a little force field around you, okay, and right. you're running at the speed of sound, will you make as a human being a sonic boom? Yes, you will on the ground as you run. That's right. You have this thing, yes. What you're doing, sonic boom is happening. You're creating basically a shock wave, right? right? You have the air in front of you, and you're running. You're basically impressing the air, so the air starts bending around you. When you pop through that barrier, what we call the shock front, then you literally create that sonic boom in kind of a wake behind you. So you zip by, and then just. This is again another example of why you're not allowed to be good at science. <laughs> you want to you want to run past people you don't like and create sonic booms outside their house and break their windows. And that's, why I, that's why I own a Harley right now. <laughs> Same reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kettlebells and Queso on Instagram. Now you know who you are. So how heavy? of a kettleball can Chuck swing and does he know what a kettleball is? Chuck. Wow. I don't know. I don't know why he's got to diss me like that, man. But you know, um, I actually do have, uh, an answer to both of them. One is I do know what a kettlebell is and two, how heavy of a one can I swing? Whatever it is that will break your foot when I drop it on it. Oh, 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 Chuck. It may not be the answer you wanted, but possibly the answer you deserved. <laughs> oh, that was right. great, man. <laughs> Thank you for cheering Chuck up. Yeah, man, that actually made my day. I'm happy. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, this is Tony Ellie738 from Instagram. Mm-mm. He says, how does the rock in curling turn by the broom action? Oh, great question. Great, great question. See, the 
path that the little rock goes in curling is not a perfectly smooth sheet of ice. That's right. There's rough bits on the ice. Uh, shavings, almost like um, an, uh, smooth slushies. They make it unlike a, a, a hockey rink. Right. They make right. it with so it's stippled on the top. That's right. And that's where the Those, is coming. Like pills on a sweater. <clears throat> yeah. Kind of, yeah. But they're stiff and, the, and they're hard. And so over time, when the rock slides down, when it touches those things, it'll cause whatever spin you've put on the rock to either magnify or decrease. And this causes the changing of the direction. When the broom or the sweepers, I guess, are using the broom, they're getting rid of wearing down those stipples or the other non-smooth environments, which allows the smoothness to take over as opposed to the curliness and the stippledness. Yeah. Uh, that's a great word, by the way, Gary, stippled. That is something we should use more often in the English language. Yes, uh, there are some great words in the English language, right. by the way. And so, so the brooms will allow the rock to go farther. Because what are you it giggling about? Sorry, sorry, Professor. What are you giggling about? <laughs> because it's like there's some great words in the English language, and by that I mean the British language. <laughs> yes, it is British, and I'll give, I'll, I'll see you stipple and raise you rummage. <laughs> rummage. What a wonderful rummage. word. It's a fabulous. Yes. Word. Right, that rummaging through my past. Yes. Mm, stop rummaging through my past. Damn it. Completely science and sport unrelated but yeah on. Sorry, ahead. Professor. sorry sorry professor that's okay no 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 i like like my i uh, like me a good rummage sale once in a while <clears throat> yes yeah. so so the brooms basically make it so that the rocks can go farther without curling as much because it's reduced the amount of friction between the rock and the ice Sweet. Right. That actually makes, that makes sense. I mean, we, when we did the show back in the winter on curling, yeah. the science on the initial viewing of curling, you're thinking, meh. And then you <laughs> drill down deeper and you're thinking, what an awesome, yeah, awesome I sport. I get it. I can see why so many people have latched onto curling and they get addicted every four years. Absolutely. I'm missing it right now. I can't tell you how many nights during the Winter Olympics I was up at 3 a.m. drunk watching curling. It was amazing. <laughs> Look, there are two things about curling that are really great for me. One is the pose that the person strikes as is pushing the rock. All right, yep. Beautiful balletic structure. I think you should get style points for that in future Olympics. Right. And then the second thing which I love about curling is the yelling. It's like, hard, 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 hard. I mean, what other sport has that kind of verbal interjection? Right? You should get style points for how well you shout at your friends as well. I like it. I like it. And I'm resisting every single inclination in my body and soul <laughs> to, to comment, not comment <clears throat> on screaming hard, hard, hard. <laughs> Please continue to resist all temptation. <laughs> Please. Chuck, come on, man. <sighs> all right. Professor, there are things we know we can ask for and things that we know we shouldn't ask for. And I think that. It was the latter, because his <laughs> mind is just going to wander straight to that point. All right, here we go. This is from Chris Tukadik. Tukadik. <laughs> I know. This has been set up, hasn't it, for me, really? Your, your timing is perfect. So. Yes. Um, it might take about five minutes before Chuck stops giggling. It might not. It might even take longer. Um, 
Damn, Chuck. In rugby union or rugby league, you have to pass the ball to your teammate. Stop giggling. Who is on, who is in an onside position, which is behind where the ball carrier passes from? Is it possible for a player running at full speed to pass the ball to a teammate a meter or two behind and in line? with him and the ball not go forward relative to where it was passed from. This happens all the time, and sometimes it is penalised, sometimes it is not. So, yes. so Professor, moving forward while passing the ball backwards seems really quite strange, and it's not a surprise yeah. the British invented rugby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, this is a good question. I don't know the exact rule, Gary. Mm -hmm. When is it uh, that the person who receives the backwards pass has to be behind where the person who passed it is at the moment of reception yes. or at the moment of departure from the tosser? Um, I think the ball itself has to travel backwards. So you would imagine he has to be in a position behind the thrower, the passer, right. In, right. on catching it. Yeah, this is, where, this is where something called Galilean relativity comes into effect uh -huh. okay if you're moving at 10 miles per hour mm -hmm. um should i switch to metric because we're talking rugby no uh, no no okay. uh, if, the british invented yards we're quite happy okay if you're running this way at 10 miles per hour and your your friend is running behind you also at 10 miles an hour mm -hmm. if you're traveling together even though you are both going 10 relative to one another you're traveling at zero which right. means if you were to pass it backwards then he'd be right there as if you were there. When you tossed the ball, the ball would have your 10 miles an hour added to its backward motion. So it'd actually be still moving forward, even though relative to the two of you, it's moving backwards, okay? So let's say if you were moving at 10 miles per hour, but the person has to catch the ball behind the place where you passed it originally, that's back here. Mm -hmm. Then in that case, you'd have to pass it harder than 10 miles an hour, maybe 11 or 12 miles an hour backwards in order for your mate to receive the ball before uh, he reaches the place where you have just tossed it. Right. So the answer to the question is yes, it's complicated and you definitely have to toss it backwards. But if you don't toss it backwards far enough, let's say you're running at 10 miles per hour and you toss it backwards at eight miles per hour, the ball is still moving forward as far as the referee is concerned at two miles per hour. Right. And and what will happen is that person will end up in the place beyond whatever point and be penalized, even yep. though the ball was actually passed backwards. That can happen. Yeah. Wow. It's a real judgment call depending on what the referee decides. Uh, I, I, I've seen enough rugby. I will have not played it myself. I value my, my uh, health a little bit too much. Yeah, the, um, big, the big guys hit hard. Let me just I'm say told. that. Yeah. So I'm told. Yeah, I know. Uh, but uh, watching it is is a fascinating game, you know. And Great it's game just to watch. Chuck, lots of really interesting stuff. This next question is definitely for you. Um, the uh, the reluctant artist wants to know this from Instagram. Please, could you explain the physics behind the reverse swing of the cricket ball? What? Oh. First of all. What is the reverse swing of a cricket ball? Okay, I, I have to tell you, we're going to have to do a cricket show at some point just so that I can know what the hell it is because all I know is that there are there are big-time ads for a cricket on the subway in New York City, mm -hmm. and this may be the only city in America outside of perhaps Michigan where cricket <laughs> is advertised. Uh, and what it first of all, what is a reverse swing? Okay. Secondly... What is cricket? 
<laughs> Professor, all yours, and I'll do my best to pick up some things. More than a sport, it is a lifestyle. It is a true way of thinking of the universe. So I respect all those who live by cricket. Mm -hmm. The reverse swing is a little bit uh, less metaphysical than that. Um, I'll use a baseball analogy, right? A baseball has two seams. And so when the pitcher throws the baseball, depending on how the seams are moving when it leaves the pitcher's hand, the ball can curve mm -hmm. right, as it interacts with the atmosphere. Now, the cricket ball has one seam down the middle. Yep. And when the cricket person does the equivalent of pitching the ball to what the equivalent person of the batter is, the ball bounces off the ground. And then the ball gets smacked by this wooden paddle, as you know, and heads out into the field. Now, this ball is used over and over again. Yep. Unlike in baseball, where if the ball gets hit and goes far away and the, the umpire decides the ball has been deformed or been damaged by the bat, then it gets tossed out and a fresh ball is put in. That cricket ball is reused. And so some people figured out that if they could make sure that every time they pitched the cricket ball, they only got the side, one side damaged. And then the other side, they tried to keep smooth and polish it as much as possible. Then after 30 or 40 such pitches called overs, right? Mm -hmm. yep. The ball will start looking very asymmetric. One side will be roughed up and beat up. The other side will be smooth and polished. And you've got the leather seam in the middle. That's that. You just described my marriage. <laughs> 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 okay. Marriage or otherwise. Imagine that ball. Now the person who's doing the equivalent of pitching of this ball, yep. he can throw the ball down and make it look like it's going to bounce left. But because he uses exactly the side of the ball that is damaged as opposed to polished to hit the ground first, instead of the ball bouncing and going left, as you might expect, it'll bounce and go to the right. Uh -huh. That's the reverse swing, and that causes batters to get fouled up. Wow. So the thing here, Chuck, the seam that Professor Lou was talking about, you would normally place your fingers either side. So the seam position. is in the middle. But now you would come over maybe like a 20-degree angle over the seam. And if you watched cricket for long enough, when they wear white, all white, mm -hmm. uh. the players will have a red scuff down one thigh. Because that's the that's the bowler, the pitcher in this cricket. He's right, he's shining, he's shining it shining up, shining one side, and they've they have learned. And the Pakistanis national and uh, they, their love for cricket is every bit as strong as the Indians, and uh, they really brought this art for, and it's an art form. They wow. brought this forward, and they've been awesome at it. And they just befuddled another lovely word, right? For like, <laughs> batsmen yeah. or for for. Oh, for so many years. And now everybody is thinking how they do it because there's other things. If you've got some moisture in mm -hmm. the atmosphere, they use everything. Plus the fact, unlike baseball, you use the ground to make things happen. Right. And yeah. if the ground is hard enough, if it's not, if it's crap, all sorts of different things. It, and I, I agree with, with the professor. Cricket is such a cerebral sport. Sounds awesome. I might have to check it out. However, yes. all this talk of cricket and the way that they damage their balls has given me a new um, phrase for baseball. Baseball, watch us. 
Our balls are always fresh. And on that note, we'll take a break. Um, <laughs> yes. This has been Playing With Science, and I'm not sure if we're still on the air. However, if we're still on the air when we come back after this break, it'll be great because there'll be more from Professor Charles Lou, and Chuck will be on the naughty step for about the next six weeks. See you shortly. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You saw the potential, and through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We got another day of NBA action. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. Yes, you know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's that time again. Time to start thinking taxes. But this tax smart move for 2023 could make it less painful. Open and fund a Fidelity IRA before the tax deadline. You could reduce your taxable income in a traditional IRA or get tax-free withdrawals in retirement with a Roth IRA. Plus, there are no account fees or minimums to open an account. Get started at fidelity.com slash IRA. No account fees or minimums apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Fidelity Brokerage Services member NYSE SIPC. Welcome back to Playing With Science and your cosmic queries, your inquiring minds have opened up a whole Pandora's box, all full of questions, and we have the perfect person to answer them for yes. you. Yes, Professor Charles Liu. And we'll be looking now, Chuck, at the perfect throw. Ooh. Go on. Question number one for the you, The perfect sir. throw. Um, will J, uh, which is Will in the third, Will in third, is uh, actually, uh, he's a Patreon patron, mm-hmm. and therefore uh, we will, you know, when you support us on Patreon, we like to give you prior because you give us money. All right? Hmm. Thank you. Also like my marriage. Um, <clears throat> from a physics standpoint, he says... Focus, focus. My wife is going to kill me for that one. Oh, uh, yeah. Can we edit that, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, here we go. Uh, he says, from a physics standpoint, when I go bowling, which is about once a year at the most, hey, thanks for that little insight into your life there, Will J. Um, should I go for a lighter ball that I can throw faster or a ball with more mass that I can send down slowly? Will in Houston. Interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Um, a lighter ball probably gives you the ability to throw it harder, right? But yes. then what are the advantages of a heavy ball? Well, uh, the thing that you're going for is momentum, mm-hmm. right? The momentum of the ball is the mass of the ball multiplied by its velocity. So whether it's a heavy ball moving slower or a light ball moving faster, if you have the same momentum, 
the ball will transfer the same amount of impulse to the pins. So what you're looking for instead, I think, is a matter of your technique. Are you going to spin it more? Are you going to try to contact as many pins as possible? Are you going to try to whack a pin particularly hard so that you can cause it to do something funny, like knock into other pins? By the way, that's called mob bowling, when you whack a pin. Hey, let me tell you, I'm sorry, but we got to do hey, this. If, if, if it's got to be done, it's got to be done. Nothing personal. Yeah. This is the business we've chosen. <laughs> so it really, I, I have found, of course, I'm not a very good bowler, uh, but the, I have found that I prefer a heavier ball, move it more slowly, uh, because then it is more likely that I'll be able to control its motion because I don't have that arm strength, right, to push it forward, but it goes more slowly. And your goal to try to get the bowling ball to contact as many pins as possible as it heads in, right? Or to have the each pin that gets hit transfer as much information sideways, uh, the energy, so that it'll knock out mm-hmm. more pins off to the side. I find heavier balls going more slowly works better for me, but there are friends of mine who are actually really good bowlers, and they are uh, of two minds. Some of them even use a light ball in one instance hmm. and a heavy ball in another. Let's say they have a, uh, they've taken down nine, ten, nine out of ten pins yeah. uh, in the first hit, uh, first ball. I don't, Frank, uh, what do they call them? And then your second ball, maybe because they want to aim it more accurately, they use a lighter one and they throw it hard so that the ball has less of a chance to start changing direction because of its contact with the lane. So maybe a combination is the right answer. Cool, man. Looking at it from my point of view, uh-huh. uh, the heavier ball will allow me more accuracy because I'm a novice bowler. Mm-hmm. And by the oh. sound of it, Will is a novice bowler. If I've got a lighter ball, I'm possibly going to be trying to throw that really hard. Therefore, as you touched on, Professor, you lose the control. Mm. Right. You might you- twist your yeah. wrist just a little bit causing a curl and, right. and the gutter Absolutely. ball. Absolutely. Right? So if you're a novice, possibly the heavier ball for me, thinking about it, would be a better solution, but I can't explain the physics like you do. Now, see, my take on it is when I'm bowling, what I like to do is just leave the bowling alley altogether and go get drunk because I don't need bowling as an excuse to drink. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, now, moving on to our next question. Sorry, oh, sorry. Yes, Professor. Do you well, exercise both your arms when you bowl, Chuck, or just one? <laughs> yes, I do bowl like a little child. Both hands, and the ball is between my legs, and then I just push it from the line and watch oh, it go. No, no, no. I, I was referring to the bowling ball in one hand and the 12-ounce weight in the other. Oh, now, all you have to do is lose the bowling ball, and you see what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It's a complex workout routine, Professor. <laughs> okay, next. Next question, Maddie from Maddie Benj on Twitter. Why does spinning a baseball make it curve? Hmm, interesting. Uh-huh. Great question. Uh, just as we were talking earlier about cricket, mm-hmm. right? The roughness of the ball or one side of the ball will cause a change in direction when it hits the ground. Uh, the same is true with the, the laces on a baseball. Depending on how it spins, it actually affects the airflow around it. And uh, at first, it doesn't do anything. But after some certain distance that it travels, enough turbulence builds up from the interaction with the laces to cause that ball to change direction. 
So we're talking about late breaks on the breaking ball or an mm-hmm. early break on a breaking ball or a slide or a slider or a sinking fastball. That movement depends very much on which direction the laces are spinning, whether it's going this way or that way, or whether it's kind of slowly ambling or going very fast. Let's uh, see what Grace 22 burrows. We just answered that question. Yes, we did. Yes, Grace 22 so hopefully burrows. Hopefully, Grace 22 burrows. You've got your answer in the previous question. So, And just in case you want to hear your question read on the air, here's what your question was, Grace. How do the stitches on a baseball affect the speed at which it travels? And, and, and yeah, it's, it's the same question, but phrased rather differently. It's, it, doesn't, it affects the speed because it slows it down. Right. Right. And, and then it slows the, it so, down go ahead. ever so slightly, and it's the rotation of the ball that causes it to break. There you go. All right. All right. So Panda sixty one twenty four. Clever. Panda. Yeah. It's like this real dumb panda. It's like panda. It's <laughs> or it could be a, a Russian panda. Ah, panda. Ah, as in an affirmative. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Panda says, is there a way to consistently ensure a perfect throw with a Frisbee? Ultimate! Ultimate (laughs) Frisbee! Ultimate is great for people like me who don't have a whole lot of arm strength and just love to watch something go a long distance in the air, leaving my hand, right? Uh Um, The best way to ensure a perfect throw in Frisbee is to do it indoors, because you don't have any wind, right? So you have to be in some sort of an indoor stadium and toss it. But I think uh, what we're asking here are the mechanics of it. You want to release the Frisbee when the Frisbee is going to go straight. If you let the curve too much and you have the angle to the Frisbee that's not parallel to the ground, you will wind up with a much uh, more curling kind of throw. So the perfect throw every time is pretty much make sure that you're leading forward and you let the frisbee go in the direction you're looking and that when you release it is in the direction that you're looking as opposed to going that away or that away but would it make any difference if it were backhand or forehand ah no it doesn't make any difference if you're doing forehand you want to also make sure that you're releasing it in the direction you're looking Mm -hmm. right but forehand is a harder throw than the backhand because naturally speaking the back throw is uh, m- you're more able most of the time not to involve the twisting motion of the wrist and just the snapping motion of the wrist. When you're throwing this way with your forward hand, then you've got lots more motion this way because your hand naturally has more degrees of freedom going forward. But the true experts, of course, they can control that very easily. And I was going to say, the- when you throw forehand, what you're really doing is showing off. <laughs> so you Has you ever, have you ever seen overhand throw? No, I cannot throw forehand. No, guess. How not. about overhand throw? You guys know about overhand throws? An overhand throw in frisbee? The frisbee, yes. I've seen that when when you're watching ultimate. These are amazing. Like a ver- you hold it vertically. Vertically, the ball, the the frisbee travels vertically in the air, and it it's just amazing how they can do this. Uh, I I've not been able to perfect that move, but that's it is taking a, showing off to a new yeah, level. That's 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 really that's really obnoxious. That's okay. <laughs> if you're throwing a frisbee vertically and the, the, it just stays in a vertical position, that's, that's obnoxious. You're that's, just you're really just showing off, man. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's you just saying to the whole world, like I am not mortal. You know, that's 
That's all right. That's cool. <laughs> all right. Let us move on. And um, I'm not, can we take it back to space for a second, pr- uh, yeah, Professor? We can. Let's yeah. take it back to space for a second. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, Fazala Fahad uh, on Facebook wants to know this. Um, uh, how can we play football on Mars? Uh, and I'm going to say that's uh, the answer is eight billion dollars. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you play uh, football on Mars, or how could you? And what well, would the difference be? Well, assuming that the football players would like to breathe, you uh-huh. probably need to make a domed stadium, right? Right. Sweet. Uh, so you'd, you'd have some atmosphere in there. Okay. Uh, and that would allow you to do all the things you would ordinarily do on Earth with a football uh, because you have the air at the pressure that's required for things to move. The difference is the surface gravity on Mars is lighter. So someone who uh, kicks the ball upward, as we were talking about, is very similar to kicking a football on the moon. Mm-hmm. You kick the football on Mars, it will stay up a little bit longer, and then it'll fall down long. So the, all the passes will be longer, all the things will move a little bit faster. Could uh, the players and, jump yeah. higher? Players will be able to jump higher as well, yes. All right. So it'll be an interesting game. Yeah, it would be. It sounds like a that fun would game. would be a very interesting game. Mm-hmm. I, I would enjoy watching a, a football match on Mars. But uh, it's going to be a while. Right. Do we have one more question? Oh, here we are. Mm-hmm. Pauline Travis, Instagram, all yours, sir. Yeah, Pauline Travis says, not going to read my ish anyway, unless I'm Patreon, dadgum sellouts. JK, you're awesome. Um, there you go, man. It, it, you said it <laughs> wouldn't happen, but it did. Okay? You said it wouldn't happen. And by the way, let's not create the moral hazard by thinking that you can get your question read by uh, insulting us or saying that we won't read it. Then again, who am I kidding? It'll work every time. <laughs> I'm glad you understood that because that went straight over my head. Oh, let me... 38,000 feet. So here's the thing. Clearly, uh, um, uh, Pauling Travis is a, um, a Star Talk fan. And on Star Talk, we do Patreon questions. Oh. And if you uh, support us on Patreon, we give your question priority. And so, therefore, I always read Patreon questions first. And so he's basically saying, you're not going to read it because I'm not a Patreon. To which I say, just support us on Patreon, man. It's not that deep. (laughs) Give us some money. What's the problem? It's okay. You can be nice. There you go. Right. That's our show, Chuck. That is a Chuck Lou, man. You are the best. Isn't he? You are the best. Yeah. It is my pleasure. Thank oh, you so the, much Seriously, for it's Thanks our pleasure all. and our listeners' pleasure, Professor. It has been so good to have you on board and just for you to unlock so many of the secrets involving our listeners' questions. Brilliant. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Yeah, this was a lot of fun, man. Been to school again. Yep, been to school again. Yep. That's Sat right. in the front row of the class. There you go. Rang, all the, right. rang the kettlebell. School's out. That's it. Ah, that's playing the science and your cosmic queries. Please keep your minds inquiring and keep those questions coming in. It's been a pleasure. I've been Gary O'Reilly. And I've been Chuck Nice. And this has been Playing With Science. We look forward to your company soon. And goodbye from Professor Charles Liu. We got another day of NBA action. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. You just can't miss tonight. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 
21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Set your mind free with a free plan from Fidelity. Start by organizing your plan around what matters most to you. As you go, you'll be able to see your full financial picture, which covers spending, saving, debt, and goals in one simple view. Get started by visiting fidelity.com slash free plan. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC.